Wetzel will hold. Sullivan will be the long snapper. It's a 55-yard attempt on fourth and 10 from the 38. Snap back, ball down. It is up. It is good. 55 yards. 14-6 Cincinnati, a school record and a Patriot League record. And Patrick Murray from the parking lot. Wilson Wetzel wide right on second and eight from the 12. Play action, back to throw. Over the middle, caught. Brian Wetzel, touchdown. 12 yards, and the Rams have finally found Pater. It's 35 to 12 with 128 to go in the third quarter. So a two-point conversion try here for Ryan Higgins from the two. He runs far right, and this is going to work. Halter behind the line, makes the catch, hit the five. He goes to the end zone. He is in. Mason Halter, the left tackle, went back five yards to the 10, caught the backwards lateral from Ryan Higgins, and ran it in. Lego in the shotgun. Takes. Now he's going to roll to the right under pressure from Womack. Thru- fires it deep down the right side. It's caught. Milligan with the touchdown. All of it through the air. He walked into the end zone for the final two yards. 41-14 Cincinnati with 12.48 to go in quarter number four. Welcome inside week seven's edition of Monday Night Quarterback, only on WFUVsports.org. Mike Watts alongside Mac Rosenberg this week as we look back at the effort against Cincinnati and look forward to a bye week, a chance to rest up and a matchup with Holy Cross in the Ram Crusader Cup. We'll be joined by Ian Williams and Brian Wetzel when we go inside the huddle and we'll talk X's and O's with offensive line coach Joel Rodriguez later in the show. But let's begin the show with Fordham football head coach Joe Moorhead. Coach, how you doing? Doing well, guys. I wasn't going to mention the two-point conversion this early, but <laughs> you told us about that play a couple of weeks ago, and I know we talked to you about it in the post-game interview during the broadcast, but uh, any comments you want to lay on that? I, I, I couldn't believe it was going to work. Oh, it's always fun to see an offensive lineman touch the ball and, and, and score some points, but it's a, it's a play that we've had in our menu of special plays. Um, dating back some years, we actually ran it at UConn against Rutgers in 2009, and it was the same result, except they called it a forward pass. So uh, it was it was disallowed, and this time we, we got it backwards, and they went to the booth and saw that it was forward. So uh, certainly, you know, Mason was excited about it, and it was, it was uh, you know, good to get two points on the board that way. So Mason Halter gets his first two collegiate points, hopefully two of many. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> we spoke before the game with you about raising the profile of Fordham football through this game. And I, I know the result maybe didn't look too pretty, but the team put up a, a good fight for the first half, and even into the second half they fought the whole way. Did you accomplish what you set out to do? Everything from the resu- except for the result. Uh, and I think you talk about the potential of this program and where we would like to take it and uh, you know, getting it on a national platform such as ESPN3 and all, all of the um, – you know, the discussion about the game that led into it from, from, you know, having it on the bottom of the ticker there on ESPN to the people previewing it on Saturday morning and then, you know, the feedback that we got from the press, uh, you know, following the game. You know, all that stuff is positive. All of it's great for the program, and it helps us on you know, on every level. So, um, you know, not not excited about the outcome, but, you know, the effort, the experience, and, and, and the, the tangible benefits that we receive from playing that game are all, I think, going to benefit this program in the long run. Coach, I think the biggest difference in this year's club, the fact that you've given them the expectation to win every time out, no matter what the level of the opponent is, in this case, you know, an FBS team ranked number 21st in the country, what's the attitude and the confidence level of this team after the game against Cincinnati? I think it's deservedly very high, and, uh, 
you know, we, we talked before the game, we referenced the 2007 USC-Stanford game, you know, as a point of reference for this game heading into it. And, you know, the big thing was we didn't want anything to change in terms of our our, our focus on the game. We said the game was going to be won because of our preparation, um, our effort, our execution, and our finish. And we had a tremendous week of practice. But, the, you know, the margin of error against a top 20 FBS team is very small. And we made enough mistakes where, you know, quite frankly, we didn't deserve to win the game. But that being said, you know, the kids fought. You know, they did some things that were very, very good. And, uh, you know, they finished the game. So, uh, you know, our three losses this year against the ninth-ranked team in, in FCS, the 24th-ranked team in FCS, and the, probably a top-20 team in, in FBS. So, uh, you know, we're fighting. You know, we're getting better every week. And, uh, you know, hopefully I think I think this game against a, an opponent of Cincinnati's caliber will, will benefit us the rest of the season. Now, you talk about margin of error. We were talking before the game, and I said that your team would really need to put a dent in their defense on that opening drive, and you guys really had it going until Ryan turned the ball over uh, for the first time in a few weeks. How deflated was this group after seeing a really solid drive turn on one play? Initially deflated, but as they came off the field, they came to the sidelines, and we talked about handling adversity, handling prosperity, and you know we weren't going to let one drive or one game you know, dictate you know what the rest of the game was going to uh, – turn out to be so in, in the next hour we, we got the ball and drove right back down the field so you know it was disappointing uh you know that we weren't able to turn that drive into points and it was a what a 10 to 14 point swing depending on how you look at it but you know we got the ball back we drove right back down the field and I think the kids had a short memory you know can't remember the previous play can't worry about the next play and I think that that's what their focus was he talks about the first drive but I really thought the offense moved the ball exceptionally well in the first half continuously got the ball into Bearcats territory and I I, of course, love the use of the shovel pass, but uh, tell me, how did you feel about your offense in the first half and maybe what changed in the second half when maybe they weren't moving the ball quite as effectively? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we were able to, um, you know, mix the run and pass effectively, and, um, you know, we converted a lot of th- third downs in, in the uh, first half, which I thought was imperative. We were able to run the ball. I think CJ had 50 yards at halftime, uh, and that's not counting the shovel passes, which are counted as, as throws. And, uh, you know, we were making good decisions, and we moved the ball. The problem was we were one for three uh, in the red zone in uh, touchdowns, and we talked about that being in one of our goals every week is to have red zone touchdowns, not red zone field goals. Uh, you know, and I think we came out in the second half. They began to click on offense as well, and, uh, you know, we needed to maximize our possessions. And, you know, we had a third down conversion that we had an opportunity where we missed a pass between Greg and uh, Ryan, you know, and, you know, we continued to move the ball fairly well, but not as well as we did in the, in the first half. And, you know, it just it got to the point where, you know, we were needing to score on every possession. And we, we got uh, two two scoring drives in the second half, but it, it just wasn't enough. So at halftime, down by eight, you know, you guys are hanging around. And that's something I believe you've told us in the past. Just just hang around, and you can be in it till the end. What did you tell the team at halftime? Uh, that we had an opportunity to go out and win the ball game. Yeah. We, we, were, down, we were down eight points, and... You know, had things gone a little bit differently, you know, we had a chance to be, you know, tied or up. So, you know, our confidence level was high. We came out and, uh, you know, we just ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw. You know, they got things going offensively a little bit. And, you know, and that be quite – I mean, that, that's a, that's an excellent football team. So, um, yeah. you know, they, they got good players and there's a reason they're ranked – the reason they're undefeated and ranked where they are. So, you know, I – you know, it just – you know, they started playing like a top 20 Division One football team and we didn't we didn't make enough plays to counter it. In terms of the defensive pressure in the first half, it really seemed like Munchie Legault had a very difficult time moving the football, had trouble throwing downfield. In the second half, they were a little bit more effective against your defense. What exactly changed 
from Coach Jones's perspective to maybe help the the Cincinnati offense move better? Uh, I think they went to a little bit more of a quick game. You know, they threw some more three step, threw some more bubbles on the perimeter to kind of get the ball in space a little bit, and uh, you know, some of the 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 inside zone. Uh, read game that they were running yeah. where we were knocking it down for one or two or, or three in the first half. You know, those things started getting a little more and starting splitting a little bit. And they ran a little more misdirection with the Abernathy kid. And then they started pulling the ball with Munchie a little bit. And, you know, the touchdown that he scored, if you look at it, there were two people free for the tackle, you know, and he just outran them to the end zone. So I think they started going a little more quick game, started attacking the perimeter a little more. And I think we started wearing down a little bit on the run game. Now, Coach, I want to talk, uh, get back to the offense for a sec with Carlton Coons. We weren't so sure how he would react to facing, you know, a defensive line and really an overall defense like the Bearcats. Early and often, you guys, when we mentioned it, went to that shovel pass. I really liked that strategy, and it worked a lot for you guys early on. Was that something that you had planned coming? Because we had not seen that at all in previous games this year. No, it was it was a it was a game plan situation. It's right. really it's really the same when we call our one back draw play. Uh, normally we just turn and hand the ball off, but, mm-hmm. but we saw that these guys were heavy up the field pass rushers, and you know they were very dangerous on the edge. So we said instead of handing the ball off, let's let them rush a little bit more, and instead of handing it off, flip it to them. And uh, I think I think it worked out pretty well. It was a very productive play for us. After the game, I, I noticed that you actually addressed your team at midfield, and I read elsewhere that Coach Jones actually addressed your team. What did you tell your team, and what did Coach Jones tell your team after the game? Uh. You know, I, I just brought them together because I want them to run off the field together. You know, and, and I, I told them how proud I was of their effort and, uh, you know, that, that they fought and went toe-to-toe with a, with a tremendous football team and that I was very proud of them and I didn't want them to go into the locker room scattered one person at a time. I wanted us to go in as a team. And as I was standing there talking to the team, Coach Jones came in and, he, you know, he said that, that we have a very good football team and that we fought very hard. And, you know, he said, if you continue to listen to this guy, you guys are going to win a lot of football games this year. So that was totally – I mean, How much did you pay him to say that? <laughs> was that 20 bucks, 30 bucks? <laughs> uh, I, it, it, I, I have the utmost respect for Coach. I think he's one of the top coaches in the country, and he didn't have to do that. And, uh, you know, I just thought it was a very, very uh, classy thing for him to do. Now, your defense – Really played played very well in the first half. We mentioned it. Their you know their quarterback really was really out of sync in the first half. He you know wasn't on chemistry, wasn't decisive. What was what was it? Do you think that your defense was able to do in that first half? Because I thought everybody was playing really great. I think it's it's what we talked about leading up to the game that we mixed up the looks. Uh, you know we were we were playing you know some zone, bringing some fire zones, and uh, you know just mixing up you know the looks that we were giving them. And you know I thought the defense did a good job putting a plan together and. Uh, you know, they, they, we kept we held them at bay, and, and the other good thing was we were possessing the ball on offense, so we limited their possessions. So it's as always, it's a team game. You know, it, when we do on all well on offense, defense feeds off of that, and vice versa. And obviously, with the special teams and Patrick Murray, that that obviously gives you a weekly a boost every week. And coach, my last question: uh, in terms of collateral damage, players that were injured in this game, Beastick and Yancey both left with injuries during the game. I know Mike Martin was shaken up. Uh, at least for a couple plays. Do you have any update on the injuries that occurred in this one? Um, Mike, Mike was fine. You know, uh, Brett and Justin, you know, didn't play the rest of the game, so they they got treatment yesterday, and we're going to continue their day to day. But you know, once we uh, you know continue to get into this week of practice, we'll see what their status is. But as of right now, they're they're both day to day. But to me, it's it's immaterial. I mean, that it just happened to occur in the Cincinnati game. The injuries happen every week. They've happened every week leading up to this, and you know, that's part of the game of football. All right, great. Thanks, Coach, and we'll have you back on later on in the show to look forward to the bye week in Fordham's next game against Holy Cross. 
And now it's time to talk some X's and O's with Fordham's offensive line coach and run game coordinator, Joel Rodriguez. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. No really, problem, Coach. Yeah, really glad to have you on. Let's begin a little bit with your background. Why not? Uh, tell me how you found your way to Fordham. You, you came from Miami, Florida in your playing career. You spent a little time at Mississippi, and then you spent four years at Bryant. How did you land with the Rams? Uh, well, it's funny. I actually uh, uh, began a uh, kind of a, um, a friendship with Coach Moorhead uh, while he was at UConn and I was at Bryant. We both recruited uh, a lot of the same areas, uh, the, uh, namely the Maryland, D.C., uh, Virginia area, and we were in a lot of the same schools at the same times, and and had a lot of mutual respect for each other and what we were doing um, at our at our respective schools. Um, and when he had the opportunity to take this like, coaching um, job, and and uh, he called me and asked about you know my interest in it, and I was obviously very much interested in, 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 in you know working in a place with the history of Fordham and the tradition, and obviously work for a guy like Coach Moorhead and, and his background and his his passion for the game and coaching football. Um, so that was kind of, it started, it started really as simple as that. Now, coach, this offense has made major strides this season. Carlton Coons, a major part of that, uh, success. Also the unit that you've been overseeing the line. What have you seen from these guys on the offensive line and how have you been working with them to make them better? I think the one thing that, that, that this group, uh, ha- has had since day one that we walked in here way back in December and January. Uh, is a, a, a willingness to do whatever it takes uh, to not only improve every day, uh, but improve towards, you know, a particular goal. And obviously that's, you know, winning football games and winning a conference championship and competing for a national championship. And and these guys, I mean, we've asked them to do a number of things, you know, whether it be, you know, gain weight for some guys, lose weight for some guys, change positions, um, you know, play multiple positions, uh, take on more leadership roles, uh, you know, game flexibility, strength, all those types of things, and everything and everything that we've thrown at these guys. I mean, they've chewed it up, they spit it out, and they've asked for more. And I and, and it's it's really a treat that the, the culture group uh, that's that, that, that's so into it, uh, like these guys are. And looking at that group, who exactly has stood out to you? Maybe as a leader, or maybe someone who's improved a lot this year. Who's someone who stood out to you? You know, I think all those guys. I mean, you look at it; none of those guys outside of Stephen Tapia. Uh, played very much, uh, uh, if at all, last season. Um, and I know Lord Morrison had played quite a bit in his career, uh, and then he sat out last year. Um, so, so you know, him and Steven were kind of the only two things that were kind of "quote unquote" proven commodities as far as at least they had some experience. Right. But guys like, but you look at guys like Matt Stolt, uh, that, that that was a sparingly used guard, uh, moved to left tackle was probably playing as good as anyone uh, in our room before he went down with an injury uh, in the Cornell game. Uh, but then you look at a guy like Mason Halter, uh, who you know missed most of spring practice with, with a shoulder injury, and really weren't looking at him to be a big part of the offense coming in coming into fall camp. Had a great you know fall camp, work. really competed, worked up the depth chart. And now he's just starting to tackle, you know, uh, playing against Cincinnati national TV. Uh, you know, so those those are the great stories you like to hear about. But I mean. When you talk about from from a leadership standpoint, I think without question that the, the the leader, the biggest leader in our room is Chris Watkins, our center. He's a team captain. He's an older guy. Um, I mean, he works so hard in everything he does: weight room, uh, game preparation, meeting room. Uh, I mean, he's you, you cannot ask for a better center of the line uh, to, for us. And coach, I, I just want to go backtrack for a second there. 
Mason Halter made that catch on that two-point conversion. Could Stolt have made that catch? And if so, would he have made the dive into the end zone? Oh, the, the dive made the, it. Yes, the, dive the athletic, made the play. yes. Would he have made it in? It was elusive. <laughs> the funniest thing about that whole play was, was coming off the sideline after the play. Obviously, we're all excited for Mason. But Lloyd Morrison was so ticked off because he was out there ready to block that corner. And Matron cut the wrong way. He was oh. ready to block. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will go find him Imagine and let him Imagine that, know. an offensive lineman laying a block for another offensive lineman. That, that would have been a great. Be- it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> anytime, anytime the big guys get any kind of credit in a positive way, which is very rare, obviously, uh, we'll take it and we can get it. I promise you that. <laughs> now, Coach, I think that once the ball is snapped, uh, you know, this offensive line has been great. Of course, penalties were holding his team back a little bit, with uh, you know, notably in the Lehigh and Georgetown game. You were able to minimize things for the most part against Cincinnati. Do you think something changed in the last week in terms of better decision-making to avoid those pre-snap penalties we saw a couple weeks ago? You know, I think, I, yes. I mean, obviously those are things that we talk about every single day and every single week, and, and, and we have a uh, – uh, a system in place where we have, you know, um, um, you know, uh, uh, consequences during practice and after practice for for false starts. And you know, the thing with with, with penalties on the offensive line is, you, there's got to be some penalties that happen throughout the normal course of a game and a season. It's you know, holding penalties. I mean, those kind of things. Don't like pass interference falls on defensive backs. Those things are going to happen. You're not going to go a whole year without getting one holding penalty. What we talk about are, are the are the focus. And, uh, and, 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 and preparation type of penalties, which usually happen before the ball snapped. You know, the, the false starts, the, the snap infractions, those are the things that, uh, that really hurt you because they get you off, you know, off schedule, uh, get you in long yard situations, which, you know, any offense is not built for, although we've been pretty good in those situations this year, but you don't want to make a living off doing that, obviously. Um, so, you know, we, I think, believe it or not, I think playing in a hostile, loud environment, where we were forced to focus on just the ball and the snap count and, and listening for that, you know, for that verbal cue really you know, kind of sharpened our, our, our focus and helped us negate some of those uh, pre-snap infractions. So the team had a few less penalties last week, but you mentioned they were in a loud environment and they were playing against a very good team. And the tackles on either side had a very tough test last week. In defensive ends, Walter Stewart and Dan Giordano – how would you say that they did? I think they did pretty good for the most part. You know, I actually just spoke to Mason Halter about an hour or two ago. Uh, it was the first time I'd spoken to him since I watched the game, the game film, um, and told him how proud I was of him uh, for how he responded. He did not play particularly well in the Georgetown game. Uh, they had a couple of really good players um, um, that they that, and they kind of got matched up with Mason. He did not play his best game. He really responded very well. I mean, he did have the one. Negative play, the forced fumble on the sack on the first series. Uh, it was just a guy that forced the sack. But I think for the most part, those guys responded. We also did, I think Coach Moorhead and, and, and our whole offensive staff did a great job uh, putting together a good game plan. We did have, um, you know, some situations where our running backs and our tight ends chipped on their way out, um, you know, in protection because those defensive ends were as good as we're going to see all year long. And, and, and those guys will have a chance to both be playing on Sundays here uh, in a year or two. Now, Coach, we talked so much before this game with Coach Moorhead about playing an FBS school. Now, having played at Miami, what can you say about the experience for these young men about going on the road, competing with an FBS talent like Cincinnati? 
I think what it does is, is, is hopefully it just continues to, 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 uh, to drive home the point and, and reaffirm uh, that we're on the right track as a program, as an offense, uh, you know, as a football team. Uh, that, you know, when, when you can go on the road and dominate Villanova at Villanova for the better part of three quarters, when you can go on the road and go toe-to-toe with, the, with the, you know, the 12th-ranked team in the country at Lehigh and, and have a chance to win at the end, when you go on the road and play, you know, the 18th-ranked team, number one team in the Big East, and really outplay them for a whole half of football, uh, it shows that, you know, that, that what we're doing schematically, what we're doing philosophy-wise um, really is – Working and and, and, and we're, we're so close to getting over the hump, um, not just in the Patriot League, but even in some of the quote unquote play up games. Uh, but I think from an experience standpoint, for some of these guys that you know, that, you know, that's the first time and the only time for a guy like you know Lord Morrison or a guy like John Holford seniors that they're going to jump on a charter flight, they're going to get a police escort to from the hotel, they're going to play in front of forty thousand people in a hostile environment. With national TV, uh, uh, you know, crowds and fireworks for a pregame, and you know, all these types of things that you don't get at the one double A level um, uh, on a week in week out basis. I think it's a great experience for those guys, and it's probably something that they'll look back on as one of their. Although the game didn't go the way we wanted to go, obviously, but it'll probably be one of their fondest memories of playing out for them. You know, when they look back on it. And coach, final question for me: When you were at Miami, tell me. Uh, in terms of run blocking and, and pass blocking, where were you better? Uh, I, you know, we ran the ball more when we threw it at Miami, so I was probably more adept to run blocking. But, I, I mean, believe it or not, even at, I was 6'3 and 290 back then, and even that's considered an undersized guy, uh, which is crazy you know, to think how, how big people are nowadays playing college football. Um, but I think as my career went on, um, and especially when I went on to play in the, in the, in the, in the NFL, when guys were even even bigger and more athletic, I became a better pass protector. And that was uh, a huge um, testament to the coaches I had because that, that was not my strong suit of coming out of high school. I promise you that. Fair enough. Great. Coach, thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot, Coach. Right, Appreciate thanks, it. Guys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, guys. And now let's enter inside the huddle with junior defensive back Ian Williams and sophomore wide receiver Brian Wetzel. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing great. Doing, doing great? Doing good. All right, guys. Well, Ian came away with 11 tackles, team high on Saturday night. Brian totaled nine receptions, a career-high 121 yards, and a touchdown. Now Wetzel has 41 catches for 566 yards. That's a lot of yards, man. <laughs> He's got a nice Two touchdowns. <laughs> uh, Ian over here has three interceptions, which eclipsed his total from a year ago, and 49 tackles already <laughs> on the year. So, guys, let's start with your thoughts on the Cincinnati game, a 49-17 loss. Brian, let's start with you. What, what did you take away from that game? Um, well, first of all, it was a great experience. I'm very thankful for the experience that we had, we got to go down, play at an FBS school, an environment like that. It's really crazy, and it's a fun environment, and it's, it was great to play there. And also, uh, I think we showed that we can play with really anybody for periods of time. We just got to learn to finish, and we were with them in the first half. We were really dominating various points of the game. And uh, what I take out of it is that we can play with anybody when we're playing our best and uh, when we're focusing and we're playing the way that we can, you know. Ian? I think Wessel said it best. Uh, it was a great experience. I know I really enjoyed going against people who are considered top 20 in the nation, you know what I'm saying, even though they're 21. And uh, I feel, just like Wessel said, I also agree that when we're on top of our game, we can play with anybody. 
and that just goes to show us that if we just come out to practice, practicing our best, having a great week of practice, we can win any game that comes against us. Yeah. Now, Brian, uh, you and Ryan Higgins have really you've gotten on a really good roll, and you're only a sophomore. Uh, and, you know, you guys are really having great chemistry out there all season. What's different about this offense this year from last year? Do you think? Um, I guess the schemes are a lot better. I feel like Coach Moorhead really, really knows what he's doing. Yeah. He can pick apart a defense throughout um, film, throughout anything. When we go out, also what's different this year offensively, and I think defensively too, is our practice week. And uh, our practice is much more intensified. And really we need to, like Coach says, we focus, fight, and finish. And we play out the – if we execute what we need to do, um, I think really we can do anything as an offense. Now, Ian, uh, you were a 4 by 100 relay champion. It says on your profile, it could be wrong, uh, in Florida as a senior in high school. And it seemed to show in the Columbia game where you chase someone down from 80 yards away. You wouldn't and be then, talking about this if you didn't have the great call, by yes, the way. Yes, and we do have a great call, of course. The, uh, the interception right after that. Julian? Second and goal from the one for Columbia. Man in motion left to right is the tight end, Garner. Play action, back to throw, looking. Deep end zone. It is intercepted. Did he have it? Did you? Yes, he did. Intercepted. Williams in the back of the end zone. So tell me, uh, in in terms of that interception, where you use your speed to make sure that the opposing player doesn't get into the end zone. Garrett got stopped about five yards short, and then you have that fantastic leaping ability. Tell me what you figure to be the best part of your game as a as a cornerback. Best part of my game is is. Uh, <laughs> Speed your hand. I mean, you got it all. You got it all. <laughs> Thank you. That's just a blessing. But um, I feel I feel like just being on the field with my teammates is the best part of my game. You know what I'm saying? And just playing together and just having fun out there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think I do. <laughs> I, think, yeah, I think I get it. Now, Ian, you know, you guys have really – you've had a, a great year so far defensively. Thank and you. for a full half of football, really, against Cincinnati, able to suffocate their offense last week, uh, what do you think it was that, that made this defense so good last week in the first half? Uh, I feel like we just we just came out ready and excited, you know what I'm saying? And also, uh, we got a great defensive coordinator who puts us in great great calls and a great defense against them. And, um I, I just we just love being out there. It was just yeah. great. And you guys weren't even on the field to start for a while the because first, the turnover. I think eight minutes. Yeah, and the, the you know the turnover, and then you guys get it back on offense. So was was there a you know a period where you had to you know make sure you were still hyped because you weren't out there to start the game? We just we just had to make sure we were still warm. You yeah, know, you don't want the muscles to tighten up. But <laughs> I mean, it was a great job by our offense holding 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 the ball as long as they did, and we appreciated it. You know. Without I, <laughs> Another pounded, right. There you go. Now, I did not only dig into the high school history of Ian Williams. I also went and looked uh, up Ryan Wessel. Yes, did you go visit uh, his high school, I, too? I, I did, all the way in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> so you went to Jesuit College Prep, and you were the four-time team MVP on the basketball court, is, is wow. what it says online. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. You're, you're looking very uh, not, not looking very proud of that at the moment. Was there any consideration from you to play basketball, and how does being a basketball player, player maybe translate to being a wide receiver on the football field? Uh, oh, God. Does it? Uh, yeah, it does, <laughs> I think. Um, well, I think the ability to jump for a ball, just like you're rebounding a ball or shooting a ball, I think uh, I don't know how much of that is true, but um, I think it does translate to the football field, and I think that if you can play multiple sports, um, it increases your ability to – like switch situations, I guess. I don't know. I feel like I feel like it helps me a little bit, but I don't know. 
Ian, were you just yeah. a, a track and football guy, or did you play any other sports? You know, I tried to play basketball. How that? But, uh, <laughs> you know, I can't. Yeah, I can't right. shoot very well, so that didn't go very good. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll do it. Uh, through seven games, guys. This question's for both of you. Four and three now, and you still have the bulk of the Patriot League schedule left ahead. Uh, how much noise do you guys think you can make the rest of the way here, Ian? Uh, Ian, we'll start with you. I, I think for our team. We're a bunch of brothers that's disguised the limit for, and we we're striving to just to be the greatest that we can be. I think that uh, if we take each game one game at a time, and our goal is to win out and prove everybody in the world that we're a playoff team, and that if we get playoff votes, then we'll go into playoffs and we'll battle game after game. But it's one game at a time, and uh, our goal is to win out and make the playoffs. And I think that with this team, we can do whatever we want to do. You say the team is fairly close, but geographically you guys from all over the place and, and i mentioned it before we have a florida uh, native and a texas native what drew you all the way up here to the the to the snow and the ice <laughs> and it's you know 40 degrees outside right now and tell me what brought you all the way up here some <laughs> you guys are pointing someone's got to um, answer football really uh I had this is my only football offer, and uh, when I came here on my visit, I loved it. I met guys like Ian, and I realized how close they were here, and I realized that with this, with the people that here and with the teammates, that something special could happen. I think we're on the verge of that. And uh, just like Wetzel, this was my only. Did, did you actually also. try and meet uh, Wetzel when you came up here? Did was, I, I was no? Big, I was a big of course. Ian Williams, uh, so <laughs> I, I came here, asked for autographs. <laughs> But yeah, just like Wesley, this is my only offer, and um, it was just it was just a blessing, also because I I thought I really wanted to play, and this was the only school that offered me, and it was just a great experience for me so far. Now, Brian, you've had quite a few roles on this team this year. Leading receiver, obviously, is the one that most people know about. Holder, kick and punt uh, that's, returner. That's a tough one. Yeah, <laughs> kick and punt returner, and even quarterback at times. Remember in the Lehigh oh, yeah. game, Talbert was in here, I believe, after that game, and. He, he was ripping on you. He said that that ball was a little too high. Yeah. What, what did you think about that? He, he, said, he talks a lot. <laughs> he does. He does. What did, uh, um, what did you think about that one? He said I threw the ball too high, but I, I felt like it was just got a, right. Got a good amount of air under it. Now, what, yeah, can you was, say, what can you say about all the roles you've had on this team this year? Um, really, I'm just doing whatever the coach asked me to do, whatever, whatever gives our team a chance to yeah. win the game, honestly. And uh, whatever he tells me to do, I'm going to do it because I'm all about the team. And um, I feel like coach knows best, and he's going to put – me in situations to help the team, and when the team needs help, I'm going to do it. I'm now, do what he asks me to do. what's the what's the hardest part about being a holder for an All American kicker? I mean, do you have to do stuff for him off the field too? Carry his bag. Yeah, right. He's a holder. He's got to hold the stuff. I have lunch apparently, um, <laughs> but um, no, he's the. I'm, there's nothing difficult about that. As long well, as I it's get, not the easiest thing to do in the world, though, to hold, you know, to get that pressure, clean, but, uh, clean hold down yeah, every time. I, I know if I get the ball down, Murray's going to kick it where it needs to be. I, I mean, I don't, I don't worry about much. As long as it's on the ground, Murray will kick it. Yeah. And uh, I try and get as, well, how he wants it as good as he wants it, but he doesn't complain. He's never complained. He's always perfect. Now, you guys both I've seen back on kick return duties a little bit from time to time. I know uh, Brian usually takes it. Uh, are, are you very forceful about getting that football? Do you do you make everyone else get away from you? or No. No, no it's just whoever goes to? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, but the coach, the coach will put us in our positions, and they know where they're going to kick the ball, and if they want, they'll kick it one way, and it's kicked to Ian. I'm going to go out there and block for Ian. And, uh, it's really just how, how the game plays out, really. 
All right, and I'm, I'm going to get one last question in here. You guys must go up against each other in practice. There's no way you don't. Oh, yeah. yeah. Tell me, <laughs> who wins more often and what what pattern do you run to maybe try and beat him if you're going one-on-one? Is is there a way to beat Ian Williams? And, and <laughs> Ian, that's the same question about, about It goes Ryan. both ways. It's triple, <laughs> quadruple moves. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, he wins. He wins. No, no, no. I, I feel like have? I feel like it's a totally evenly match matchup against me and Wessel. Uh, I feel like his best route is is the corner, because I just I just I don't know. I I haven't been able to cover it against Wessel yet, so <laughs> I got to work. Well, on I, that I, it really doesn't matter if you can't cover it against him because he's on your team. Yeah, that's, <laughs> true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's, that's probably the guy you don't want to be. <laughs> well, the good news is Holy Cross people hopefully won't listen to this, so <laughs> <laughs> we just know now. <laughs> <laughs> They're looking for you. Guys, thanks so much for coming on. Brian Wetzel and Ian Williams. Good luck. Thank thanks a lot, much. guys. Good luck in the future. Let's meet back with Fordham head coach Joe Moorhead here as we close out the show. We spoke about the Cincinnati game to open the show. Now let's take a look at the upcoming bye week in the Ram Crusader Cup coming up the week after. What's your focus for this team going into the bye week? What What do you do during a bye week to keep your team sharp? Well, we uh, first off, we're going to give them some time off to get healed. So we had a team meeting on Sunday. Uh, we're going to give them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off to get recuperated. And during that time as a staff, we're going to do some evaluations, you know, look at our personnel, look at our scheme, do some self-scouting, uh, and, and do some preliminary game planning for Holy Cross. We'll practice Thursday and Friday, give them off Saturday, then come back Sunday with a normal game week. So, And we're going to spend the afternoons recruiting on um, Monday, Tuesday, and uh, Wednesday. So it'll be a combination of things. Uh, we'll utilize our time very well. So it'll be, like I said, take a look back, see the things that we've done and how we can improve it, and then take a look ahead to Holy Cross and you know start to formulate a preliminary game plan and, and get some good practices in because they do have a game this week. And you talk about improvement, Coach. Seven games in now. Where do you think uh, is the most improvement needed right now as you head into a, a week off? Um, you know, across the board. I mean, there can, yeah. always, there can always be improvement. And, and I just, you know, constantly harp on the guys that our practice habits and, and what we do during the week and our performance from – Sunday to Friday will dictate what we do during during the game on Saturday. So we continue to, you know, prepare hard mentally and physically, give great effort. You know, that'll that'll tell the tale of what's going to occur on the game on Saturday. In terms of your bye week, a lot of coaches maybe go no contact. Some like to make sure they maybe ratchet up the contact a little bit towards the end of that week because you have no game. What exactly do you plan to do with your team coming towards the end of the week when they get back to practice? Uh, the kids, have, it's, to our kids' credit, they've gone hard the entire season to me. You know, they, they, there's no need for us to get into full pads and, and run a 100-play scrimmage because, I mean, you know, our kids are playing with a mentality right now. So, you know, when we go Thursday, Friday, you know, we're going to go thud periods. You know, we'll have some where we go good on good, where our ones go against our ones, our twos against our twos, and then we'll have some scout periods against Holy Cross. But to me, it'll just be a traditional midweek practice, uh, just mixing in a little bit of work for the, uh, you know, the ones versus ones, and then we'll get some work in for our young guys as well. So use, use, use a little bit of time to, to, to do some uh, development of our younger players as well. Right. Now, you're really on top of things. Like you said, you started looking at Holy Cross tape this morning. Anything that stands out to you about the way they play football? <laughs> actually, started looking at it on the, on the, on the plane ride <laughs> Excuse back from me. Cincinnati. <laughs> I noticed you had but, the iPad, actually. But, uh, <laughs> they, um, you know, they're offensively, you know, they run a spread. Uh, they have a new quarterback in there, a kid named Elder, who really had a great performance against Colgate this past week. Um, you know, a great, a great receiver in Mistretta who does a lot of things. I believe he was all league last year and has put up some good numbers this year. Uh, so they're, they're very, you know, they mix the run, they mix the pass, they do some things very effectively offensively. So you got to be, you know, and they're showing steady improvement. You know, defensively, they, they run a four down with some three down looks, 
playing mix of coverages, and uh, you know did particularly well stopping the run against you know Bucknell. I believe that was a thirteen to six game or something, yeah. something close to that, and uh, and also against Dartmouth. You know, so uh, you know it, it's going to be a challenge. Despite improvement, you mentioned improvement from the Crusaders. They're one and five on the year. They play Lafayette this week after falling to Colgate fifty-one thirty-five on the road last week. They've allowed a lot of yards on the ground, over over a thousand, uh, one thousand two hundred fifty-two, and they've only gained four hundred ninety-eight. Do you plan to exploit that as you go through this week and next week when you game plan? No, uh, we we took a look at you know some of the tape this morning on, on for first and second down stuff, but for our you know our preparation offensively, you know we we kind of put our formations you know up on the board we take a look at the tape and you know we try to not just in the run game but in the pass game so I think that's one of the benefits of our offense that we're able to run it and pass it with equal effectiveness so if a team's particularly strong against the run we feel we should be able to throw it and vice versa if they're they're a very good pass defense and they have coverage and they're going to drop people that we're able to run it so uh, you know we're going to go in like we do every week and have a good mix of run and pass and uh, you know defensively we got to find a way to to shut down the spread which uh, you know is always a difficult proposition. Finally, Coach, looking forward, your team right now four and three. You mentioned the three losses, one to a top twenty FBS team and two top twenty five FCS teams. What does your team need to do in these last few weeks in the Patriot League to make the playoffs? And can your team do it? To take one game at a time, and that's what we need to do, and focus all of our concentration, all of our effort, and have singleness of purpose on on winning the Holy Cross game. And as we always talk about, the way that we'll do that is through. Our preparation, our effort, our execution, and our finish. And if we we handle our business and do those things, you know, we just gotta you know concentrate on Holy Cross and you know worry about the next game when the Holy Cross game is over. Right, but can't I, look too far ahead. I, but I mean, I'm not gonna tamper our expectation level. You know, one of our season goals is to make the one double A playoffs. So to say, is that what we want to do? Yes, that's 100 percent what we want to do, and that's what we expect to do. So, but it starts with one game, and we have to beat Holy Cross. And if we don't do that. And, uh, you know, we can't worry about things that are in the future until we handle the present. All right, great. Thanks, Coach. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Coach. And that'll do it for this week's edition of Monday Night Quarterback. Thanks to head coach Joe Moorhead, offensive line coach and run game coordinator Joel Rodriguez, wide receiver Brian Wetzel, cornerback Ian Williams. Tune in next week on Monday Night Quarterback for our midterm report card where Coach Moorhead will join us for his weekly spot and our Fordham broadcast panel will break down the first half of the season. Until then, for Mac Rosenberg, producer-engineer Julian Atienza, I'm Mike Watts. Enjoy your week, everybody. Monday Night Quarterback is a production of WFUV Sports.